0: We're going to do our third week, our third installment of the Win at Home series. I've had such a great time over the past couple weeks uh, talking about how to win at home. You know, if there's any place that we're going to be intentional in life, um, it needs to be at home. And this doesn't matter if you're single, if you're a parent, if you're an empty, empty nester, if you're a grandparent. Um, everything flows out of the home. What happens at home really does affect your whole life, whether you think it does or not after a while, um, you just can't separate the two, it's the place where we charge, we refuel, we get fuel for the journey and remember you can't give what you don't have and so at home is where we get fueled for the journey and it really affects our whole life. But today the title of the message is Road Trip. How many of you love going on road trips with the family, right? And I love to think of, of life as one giant road trip, right? And It's way more fun to think about life as a road trip because road trips are exciting. Uh, There's a few really important aspects of a road trip. One is the soundtrack, right? My family and I have this, have this tradition that when we're on a road trip, and by the way, we just went on one this last weekend, we drove to St. Louis on Friday, we went to the city museum, which is incredible, we went to the zoo, we had Italian food up on the hill, and then uh, we hung out with family and went to my nephew's wedding yesterday, and then we drove back last night, all on the same weekend, it was a road trip. But we have this tradition that the last 100 miles of any trip, you know, where you've just driven hundreds of miles and there's only 100 more to go, that every 10 miles we play a different song and a different member of the family gets to pick that song, right? And so I've got three kids, 15, 13, and 10, but we've been doing this for a long time, and so there's been a lot of crazy songs requested over the years. But it's just these little things that make road trips really fun, right? But in family, you go on a road trip of life. And there's a lot of detours along the way. Sometimes you get flat tires, things that weren't expected. Sometimes you get in a car wreck. And it's something that kind of like shocks the family. And it's like, what just happened? But in my family, we've had a lot of discussions over the years that I would call detours on the family road trip, right? Where it's like, things aren't going right. And so one time me and my wife are having one of those family discussions. Some people call them arguments, but hey, you and your spouse, you never argue, right? You just discuss strongly. And so we're having a family discussion one time. And in then one particular discussion, my wife asked this question, and it's one of those questions that just kind of cut me to the core and made me really think about life, right? And so we're on the road trip alive, we get this flat tire, we're having this family discussion, and my wife asks me this. She says, what if you put as much energy, time, and effort into how you ran our family as you did your ministry at church? Now I'm a pastor, you know, and I love to work hard and I'm driven and I I love to get things done. I'm, I'm one of those people that is like task oriented and it's just really fulfilling to me to get stuff done. But she asked this question, what if you were as intentional at home with how you did just anything around our house as you were at work? And I'm like, ouch. And my first response, as most of our response is, I was defensive. I'm like, what? I love you guys. I love our family. You know, I do this and this and this. And my, my, first, my first response was to go through the list of all the, all, the way, all the ways that I'm amazing, right? You ever do that? <laughs> I do this and I do this. And remember that one time that I, I did this and, and kind of like the kind of like the husbands that want a medal or they want a trophy every time they vacuum the house. You're like, look, I vacuumed. I plugged in the vacuum and I vacuumed. Aren't I amazing? And it's like, no, it's your house too. But anyway, and so I, I started to go through all the lists of ways that that I'm awesome. But when I really got honest with myself, it's like, yeah, you know there's a little bit different level at which I plan my work life compared to how I plan my family life. And when my wife asked me this question, it wasn't a knock on my love for the family, right? You know, when things happen in family, it's like, it's not that you don't love each other. It's just that things get out of balance a little bit. And so my wife was simply shining a spotlight on an imbalance that she perceived, right? Have you been there? It's like you're going through life, things are good, and and you don't even know that something's off, but somebody else sees it. There's just a little bit of imbalance. And so before you get the guard up like I did, before you get really defensive this morning, I just want to encourage you. Man, you could have some really good priorities. You could even be going in the right direction. But it could be that there's just a little bit of an imbalance in your family life, right? Because when my wife said that to me, it's not that our destination was different, we love Jesus, we're, we're, we're going to church, we're trying to raise our kids to love Jesus, we're, we're doing all the right things. But I was taking some unnecessary detours, kind of like a, a road trip, you know, you're on a road trip, you're trying to get to the destination but your family is taking too many bathroom stops. Have you ever been there? You're getting distracted by necessary, but not always necessary distractions. Are you that person in your family that makes you stop a hundred times on the road trip? Right? Yeah, some hands raised. Um, Are you that person in the family that, that everybody is always waiting on? You know? I see a lot of elbows flying right now. It's like, there's always that one. It's like, seriously, again? But we all do it. It's not just one person in the family. We all get distracted because you see in life, there's just a few types of people. There's the people that have no idea what their destination is, right? They're wandering, they're seeking, they're trying to figure out where they're going in life, where they're going with their family, what in the world they're here to do. And if they just get really honest, they're just straight up lost. On the road trip of life, they're lost. And you might feel that way as a parent or in your family today. You're like, I'm just doing this family thing. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. If I just get really honest with you, Joe, I am straight up lost on the road trip of home life. Then there's another kind of people that that they're on the road trip, but they have a new destination every season. And it's like they can't pin down where their destination is, where they're trying to get as a family. And people that have a new journey every season, the destination never satisfies, right? That never satisfies. And then there's another group of people that you know what your destination is. Maybe you do want to love Jesus. You do want to put God first. You want church to be a priority in your life because you know that when you're together with the family of believers, you know, life just works better and you have the support and the encouragement to grow as a Christ follower but your journey doesn't support the destination. Your journey doesn't support the destination. You're a slave to urgent things in life. Flashy things really get you, like a squirrel goes by and you're consistently distracted, right? It's like, yes, Jesus, I want you to be number one. I wanna move our family towards you. I want you to be the focal point, but you're so distracted with all kinds of different things. You're taking way too many pit stops on the journey that are distracting you from ever getting to the destination. Maybe your journey is perfectly designed for the destination you're traveling to. You have found your why. You know that your home is eternal and your now is an investment in your then. That's where we want to get. That's what we're talking about today. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, there's two most important days of your life. There's two days that are more important than any other day in your entire life. And the first day is the day that you were born, right? The day that you were born is one of the most important days of your life. The day you you breathed your first breath. One of the most important days in your life, the second most important day in your life is the day that you figured out why you were born. You see, this this question of why is so critically important to a family on the road trip of life. Here's just a few great questions to clarify real quick before we get into God's word today. Will I always work at my job? No. Will I always have the friends I have now? Trust me, I just moved here from Illinois. No. You won't always have the friends you have now. Will I always play the sport I play now? All of you over 40 say, No. (laughs) I'm learning that the hard way, like aches and pains, and it's just, it's not, things aren't working like they used to. Will I always have the hobbies I have now? No. Will I always be a dad to these kids? Yes. Will I always be Jolie's husband? I sure hope so, (laughs) right? Yes. Will I always be a follower of Jesus? Absolutely. Are people eternal? Yes. What is a part of my life right now that will continue long after I'm gone? How can I contribute to God's purpose and plan that will outlive me? So can you see the kind of thinking that we're talking about today? We're on the road tip of life. We're thinking about our destination. But our destination then has to somehow connect to our current path on the journey. And so how do we connect this kind of thinking to the home? It really comes down to time and the investment of time. And so let's unpack some verses today that get right down to it. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. It says, do not be deceived. And man, church, the world wants to deceive you in so many ways today by waving so many flashy types of things in front of you that think your family should pursue this and your family should pursue that. But the Bible says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from their spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so this is a great, incredible verse to filter your life through. Am I sowing something now that I'm going to want to reap then? Will it matter then? And then another great verse when it has to do with family, specifically you parents. It says in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they're older, they will not leave it. Now, some people have misinterpreted this verse to mean that if you just do everything right as a parent, your kids will be perfect when they grow up. And how many of you know that's not always the case? Right? I've got four. I've got two brothers and a sister, and we're all completely different. And the weird thing is, is we all came from the same parents. Isn't that so strange? Have you ever looked at your kids and you're like, how are you so different? Number one. Number two, are you really all my children? And and it's just like, how can the kids be so different? And it's just one of the miracles of God that he makes kids so unique and so different, even from the same family. I think it's really amazing. But the Bible says, direct your children on the right path. When they're older, they will not leave it. What does that mean? We need to wrestle with these questions because the Bible says, man, I'm gonna reap what I sow. I'm gonna direct my children on the right path. When they're older, they will not leave it. What does this mean? First of all, it's a life principle. It's not an absolute promise. We know this by not only examples in scripture of kids that grew up, but reality. We see it, how it plays out. And why is this? Just like we talked about last week, you can't legislate the heart, but you can lead and inspire. And we know from scripture that some rewards you're gonna receive in this life and some in the next. In Hebrews eleven thirteen, it says that all these people that lived by faith were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. And so as I share these verses with you, I'm just building the tension a little bit. It's like, we've got to sow the right things if we want to reap the right things in the future. There's also some things that are out of our control, but we're not just sowing in our home right now, we're sowing in eternity. And so what do we do with this? Because sometimes you and I as parents on the road trip of life, We do the right things for a little while and then we just give up because we're like, oh, I tried, it's not working. Oh, I tried and look, my kids are still behaving that way. Oh, I tried and my kids don't listen to me at all. Anybody ever been there? So why even try? It's a struggle, isn't it? It's like, man, God, I'm trying to sow the right thing so that I reap the right thing, but it's just so hard. So what's true? What do we know? Here's what I know unequivocally. You can take this to the bank. This is true. Church, what you do as a parent, as a leader, as a son, a daughter, a grandparent will have a forever impact. It will have a forever, forever impact. You say, Joe, but the Bible says, direct your children onto the right path. When they're older, they will not leave it. What does that mean? How can you apply that to your life today? What you do in your family matters. It matters. And how you act and how you lead and how you model and how you inspire, your kids will never forget it. Does it mean that they're always gonna follow in your footsteps or do the right thing? No but will it make a forever impact? Absolutely. You say, Joe, what do you mean? Listen, your kids can't unremember how you live. Think about that. They will always remember how you lived and the choices you made and the priorities you have and the direction that you're running. They'll never forget. Listen. Your parents will never unremember how you honored them or dishonored them, right? We can't unremember this stuff. How about this quote? Man, this gets me every time. They will forget what you said and they will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And that's true of everybody in life. When you interact with people, whether it's family or friends or just people in general, they'll forget everything else. But they won't forget how you made them feel. And man, we need to get this deep into our heart as we kind of decide the trajectory of our family and where we're going and where we want to end up. Because a lot of things will fall by the wayside. They're not going to care whether you made them eat the vegetables. They're not going to care, you know... All these little things that as as young parents, a lot of times we think are so important, but they're gonna remember how consistent you were, how much you love Jesus. If what you said was important really lined up with your actions, they won't remember all the stops in the journey, but they're gonna remember the story of your life. So what kind of story are you telling? What kind of trip are you on? What does the road trip of your home look like? And so for the next few minutes today, we're gonna talk about how do we connect today with the destination, right? Because I want my journey to be based on the destination. I don't wanna take so many crazy pit stops that I never get where I'm supposed to go. Remember the object of your pursuit will determine the direction in which you run. And so let's ask ourselves two questions today. Fill these in in your notes. Number one, what's my long view? This is the first question. If we're gonna say, if we're gonna chart the course, we're gonna create the journey, what is my long view? What do I want to be said of me and my family in the end? What do I wanna be said of myself? At my funeral, just imagine that you get to walk amongst your funeral and listen in on all the conversations. What do I wanna be said? What do I wanna be the epitaph of my family? What do I want the dash of my life between the year I was born and the year I died to represent? What's my long view? In Paul, or in Philippians 2.17, Paul described his long view. He said this, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. I love this analogy that Paul uses of being poured out. His long view was to give it all, to pour himself out, to be completely um, expended for other people, to give everything so that other people can realize how good God is. Poured out. What does this mean? What's this imagery? It's to serve, to give himself. Remember what we say here at Mosaic, a non-serving Christian is a contradiction of terms. How does this relate to the context? In the Bible, in the Old Testament, when they used to offer sacrifices before God, they would bring multiple kind of offerings. A lot of times they would bring an animal, they would bring some some produce and then they would even bring in a liquid offering and so just imagine they get this fire going and they're they're present they're burning the sacrifices on the altar these were things that costed them something right and then eventually they would pour the liquid offering on the altar and you know what it would do a lot of times it was wine or or some 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 you know thing that was precious to them and the burning of that would create this incense and this aroma that would be pleasing to the Lord. And so just think about that. He's pouring it out and when they served, when Paul is saying as he serves other people, that's what is gonna make God happy. It smells good. This is the opposite of pride. Remember last week or uh, during the last week, couple of weeks, we talked about how pride is a stench in the nostrils of God. Well, the opposite is saying, hey, I'm gonna pour myself out. This is my long view. You know what else this this analogy connects with? When Jesus was hanging on the cross and he was dying for the sins of all humanity. He was dying for you and for me. And the soldiers pierced his side and it says that blood and water poured out. That he literally shed his blood for you and for me. And so Paul, he's saying, what's my long view? I want to pour it all out. For you, I want to pour myself out as a liquid offering to God, to be burned up on the altar of life. I want to be spent. When I get to the end of life, I don't want there to be anything remaining in the cup. I'm not hoarding it. I'm not hoarding my resources and my time and my energy. I'm not so consumed with my own hobbies and my own stuff and all the stuff that I think is going to give me meaning and direction in life. No, I'm pouring it out as an offering to God. It's all for him. Jesus came to serve, not to be served, right? So what's my long view? We love to boil it down as simple as it could possibly be here at Mosaic. And I talk all about, all the time about the great commandment and the great commission, right? The great commandment, I'm gonna love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. The Great Commission, I'm going to make disciples. I'm gonna help other people know Jesus like I know Jesus. I'm gonna help other people get closer to Jesus. Man, if I'm gonna boil my life down to anything, it's gonna be that. And this isn't just for pastors. This isn't just for crazy Christians, for those radicals that really go all in. This is for every single person that calls themselves a follower of Christ. What's my long view? to make a lot about him, to pour myself out and at the end to say it's all gone. I gave it all. Every last bit of breath I gave to love God and to make disciples and where that starts is in my home with my two boys and my daughter. I'm going to pour myself out. That verse I read earlier in Hebrews, it says they didn't receive what what they... what, what was promised, but they realized they were foreigners and strangers here on earth. So what's my long view? I'm gonna pour myself out. This is not my home. I'm not just living for the here and now. Time is short. My then has to affect my now. What's important in eternity in my eternal home has to be important in my life now. You ever noticed how it's not very fun playing catch by yourself? You're just throwing the ball, ball falls on the ground. Have you ever noticed, especially if you, have, if you have boys, that they love a target to throw at? Right? They love it. It's like, just give them some rocks and, and, and like something over there to throw the rock at. Some of you have had the experience of, of your house being the target. Right? And it's like, why are you throwing that at that? Why? Because the boys need a target. And you and I have something deep inside of us that we need something to shoot for, but we got to shoot for the right things. Too many people walk through life with a lousy purpose or no purpose. They don't know what they're shooting for. They don't know the right thing. Hey, and I just want to encourage you, it's simpler than so many times we make it. There's more. There's eternal things to shoot for. There's nothing wrong with the stuff that we like to do. You know, we like sports, we like hobbies. Some of you are incredible entrepreneurs. You like to build businesses. You know, there's, that's all amazing. But just make sure that your long view is woven in to what's happening right now. Make sure your long view is bigger than that. Ask yourself, as I'm doing these things, how am I pouring myself out as glory unto God How is the great commandment and the great commission intertwined in my family and how I'm running my family? Remember, just like my wife said, man, what if you ran this home like you did that other really important thing in your life? What if? Listen, you won't get into heaven because you were awesome at a sport. You won't get into heaven because you got the gold watch that says you worked at the company for 35 years. What's important then needs to be important now. You'll get into heaven because you said yes to Jesus. Not just once, but every day. Because he was the center focal point of your life. So what's my long view? Eternity is my long view. The second question, what's my short view? And we're going to get really practical now. There's a book that I would encourage you um, to read. And uh, the, the, the title of the book is so incredibly relevant to where we're at as a society today. And the book is called Three Big Questions for a Frantic Family. It's by Patrick Lencioni. He's one of my favorite authors in the world. Uh, the dude is just super wise. And really his books are business consulting books. But he wrote this one book for families that is just Incredible. And you know how I said that my wife challenged me, you know, hey, what if you did your family life like you did your work life? Well, this book spoke to me so much because it brings so much of these incredible consulting principles that I use in my work life and it brings them home. It gives me a framework to work with as I think through my family. Because remember, it's like, what can I do now to build my then? What can I do now that is gonna be reflective of my priorities in eternity. And so as we think about the short view, I just wanna encourage you today, don't let the vehicles become more important than the passengers. Because the short view is all about the vehicles that we take, the, the, the methods that we use, the things that we're currently doing. But the vehicle can never become more important than the passenger. Why? Because the vehicle was meant to carry what's most important. What would you think of me if my son had an accident? And as I told you recently, he just got his permit, so he's been driving. So what would you think of me if he's driving, he gets an accident, and you pull up on the scene, you're like, hey, can I help? You just got in an accident. And I'm just standing there, just yelling at my son for wrecking the car. What would you think? You'd be like, Joe, simmer down. You and the safety of your family is more important than the dumb car, right? but so much of the time in the short view, man, we're so concerned with the travel sports, with the, activity, the extracurricular activities, with the job, with everything else that we forget that the vehicle is not as important as the people riding in it. One time we were on a road trip uh, coming back from Missouri up to Chicago and our kids were little at the time, and kids do crazy stuff. And I can't remember how, Jason, how old Jason was, but he had been back in the backseat just playing and wiggling around and, 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 and just being a boy. And all of a sudden uh, he's like, mom and dad, I can't get out of my seatbelt and it's really tight around my stomach. <laughs> and so we look back and, and he has the seatbelt all wrapped around himself somehow. And it's starting to like choke him. And so I jerk the car off the highway. We pull off on this exit and I get back there and I'm trying to get this seatbelt wrapped out from around him. And you know that thing how seatbelts kind of like pull in and then you can't pull them back out? You ever realize that and you're like jerking on it and you say words that you shouldn't say at your car and, and it's like, come on, you stupid seatbelt. Well, that was happening, but it was choking my son. Like it was so tight around his, his, his chest and his stomach that it was, he was starting to not be able to breathe. And at that moment, I, I, I felt like I could have been the Incredible Hulk. I, I wanted to rip that seatbelt off of the wall. I would have done anything at that moment to help my son get out of that discomfort. And so we're having that moment of panic. Like, oh my gosh, this just got serious. And like, uh, so I'm like, where's a knife? Where's a knife? So we're freaking out. We don't have a knife in the car. Uh, and we're on a rural... Missouri exit, there's no gas station, no nothing. So we jump out of the car and just we're like frantically hoping somebody comes by and somebody eventually just comes by and we're like, do you have a knife? And he's like, and just remember we're in rural Missouri. And he's like, yeah, oh, I got a knife, here you go. And so he hands me the knife, I fly in the car, I cut the seatbelt and Jason's fine. And it's like, you know, in that moment, you don't care about anything. And for some reason, sometimes it takes those moments in life to just remind you that the passenger is more important than the vehicle. And we have to plan our short view in life, what we're doing on a daily basis with the end in mind. Because life is short, it's a vapor. And so it's like, what am I doing now to focus on the most important things in my life. You see, the vehicle never existed without the cargo. The car never would have been invented if it weren't for the people, right? If people didn't need to get somewhere and get there faster, the invention never would have happened. There's nothing wrong with great vehicles. There's nothing wrong with the vehicles that we ride in on the road tip of life, like sports and the arts and hobbies and interests and travel and retirement and a job, right? The job is really a vehicle for your paycheck or your purpose, right? There's nothing wrong with these things. They're they're a part of life, but we can't forget how important the cargo is, the people. So don't mistake who's most important in the journey. Make sure that your vehicle fits the needs. You know, some of you are on the road trip of life and, and you've got a big old huge jacked up pickup truck and you never tow anything. You ever see people like that? Or you're driving a, a, a Corvette to go get your groceries and it's like something's just not working. And some of you, you look at your calendar and your, and your, and your checkbook and you're like, my life is, is not structured for anything eternal. I'm driving the wrong vehicle to get me where I want to go. Man, I hope this is speaking to somebody today. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says, we spend money that we don't have to impress people we don't even like. The vehicle of your life is designed for something that you don't even want in the end. And so what do we do? What's really needed? I encourage you this morning to ask yourself some really serious questions. If you're single, what's the most important thing in your life? Do you wanna make a difference? Do you wanna get married and start a family? What do you need? And, and to do that, what's most important? Are you married and you want a better marriage? What do you need to do that? What's it really gonna cost for you to have a better marriage, a better relationship with your spouse? Are you a parent and you want a better relationship with your kids? What's gonna to have to happen for that to happen? Your kids, you want them to have better behavior. Get honest, what's gonna happen in the short term for you to create an environment where you teach them to behave better? If you're an empty nester and you're ready to refocus and attack the future, what has to happen in the short term to reach that long-term goal? If you're retired, but you're not ready to retire from significance, What's going to have to happen to retool, adjust, and invest in the short term for the long term? And so in this book that I talked about, The Three Big Questions for a Frantic Family, he talks about three different things. First, develop a rallying cry. What's a rallying cry? Fill that in in your notes. What's a rallying cry? A rallying cry is a single, agreed-upon, top priority for your family over the next two to six months. So over the next two to six months, we're gonna get crazy about reaching this particular goal. Why? Because without a top priority in your life, everything becomes important and urgent and you end up reacting to whatever issues seem urgent that day. So here's a few possible rallying cries for you as a family. Maybe you wanna instill new devotional habits in your kids or in your family. Why? Because if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I want my kids to know how to read the Bible before they get out of my house. And so it's important that we instill those habits in them, that they actually do it by themselves. How about this one? I want to start running the calendar of our house instead of the calendar running us. Have you ever felt like that, that you're slave to the urgent? The calendar's running you. You're not running the calendar. The calendar's telling you what you're going to do. You're not putting things on the calendar. And you want to switch that up you want to take control of your time. Maybe it's quality time. You want to have more quality time as a family. You're realizing that the the years are slipping away. What actually has to happen in your schedule in the short view to invest in the long view? Maybe it's financial goals. The first thing to do to get your family healthy and on the right track is to get the finances in order. Guess what? We just got done with a financial peace class here at Mosaic. But you know what? You don't have to have the class to do financial peace. You can get scrappy and go do it right now by yourself. What do you got to do in the short term? What about this? You could take one of the fruit of the spirit and build a plan around it. Man, I want my family to be more loving. I want my family to be more joyful. I want my family to complain less. I want my family to be more gentle. I want my family to have more self-control. And you're going to attack that with everything you've got for the next two to six months. Maybe you ask yourself, what's broken in my family? And what's one thing that I can focus on to fix it over the next two to six months? I want to encourage you, pick one. Don't pick five. A lot of times when we start talking about things like this as a family, we're like, well, you could do this, and you could do this, and you could do this, and and you need to fix this, and and I hate it when you do that. And we just start going off, and it's like we, we start to air all the laundry. But I would encourage you as a family or as a couple or as a single person to sit down and what's one? What's the one thing that would create the biggest ROI, the biggest return on investment over the next two to six months? What's the one thing that, man, if I just did this, at least it's going to get me headed in the right direction? Maybe it's, it's for you, man, I need to get control of this addiction. Maybe it's, I need to get control of my temper. It could be a million things, but what's the most important thing for your family in this season? The second thing that you do is you create defining objectives. You create defining objectives. Defining objectives are the basic categories of the things you'll have to do to achieve the rallying cry. So you break it down into a few action steps, right? If you don't do this, if you don't break the rallying cry down into just a few different things, then you'll just have a general statement and no context for getting it done. In Habakkuk 2.2, it says, you know, write the vision down on tablets so the people can run with it right? And that's exactly what you need to do in your family. Write it down, not just what you want to happen, but how you're going to do it. There's power in that. And then the last thing that you need to do is write down the standard objectives. What are these? Standard objectives are simply those regular perennial, and it's flower season, so just so you know, perennials are the ones that pop up every year. Annuals are the ones that just, you plant them and then they die. All right, there's your horticultural lesson for the morning. And so the perennial things are the responsibilities that a, family must pay, that, that a family must pay attention to in order to keep its head above water, right? And so you write those things down too because you can't forget them. And by acknowledging those ongoing responsibilities, families will avoid being distracted <clears throat> from what really matters. So you also write down the things like, you know, paying the bills and your church schedule and your work life and your school stuff and your serving opportunities. You get it all on the same page so that you can manage all of it. And so you get your rallying cry, you write down your defining objectives. How are you gonna gonna accomplish that? You write down the things that you cannot drop the ball on, those Those standard objectives, and then you attack the problem. I wanna encourage you if you want extra credit, get that book. Walk through it. It's a great book. It's a weekend read. It's a story. You'll fly through it. It'll give you some really good handles for your family. But at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself and your family, what's my long view? What's my short view? And how does my short view contribute to what I want to be or what I want to see in the end? As we close today, let's just wrap it up with this. In Hebrews 12, two through four, I love verses like this because it just puts a bow on anything I'm doing in life. And I think this is a great bow to just put on our family planning on the family road trip of our life. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him when your family's falling apart, when you feel like everything is just broken, when you feel like you can't fix it, when you feel like you've taken too many detours and you can't get back on the right road, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And so just as Jesus poured out himself for you and for me, just as Jesus was poured out, just as Paul said, man, I want to pour my, I, my life out like an offering to God. Pour yourself out for something eternal. Create a plan in the short view so that you can live for something bigger than what you've been living for. Amen, let's pray today. God, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you for every family in this room. God, I thank you for the gift of family. And Jesus, I just pray that you help us get get some reins, get some some handles on where our life is headed. So much of the time, God, we get stuck on pit stops and detours and then we feel like we never get back on the right road. We never get back headed towards the right destination. God, I know that there's some people in this room that they gave their life to you as a kid, maybe at a kids crusade or a VBS or, or camp or a, a youth or kids service. And then they got distracted. They got off track and they, they did life for a while, just roaming in all kinds of different directions and they never really got back on track towards you. If that's you church, I just wanna encourage you, if you say, Joe, I need to give my heart and my life to Christ today, I need to put Jesus right back where he belongs in the center of my life. If that's you today and you wanna either give your heart and life to Christ or you wanna recommit your family to the Lord and you wanna say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand today. I wanna pray for you. You say, Joe, my long view has, has not connected with my short view in a long time and I wanna reconnect where I'm headed with Christ's plan for my life. If that's you today, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you, amen. God, I thank you for those raising their hands today. I pray that you just minister to them right where they're at. God, I pray that as they recommit their lives and, or they commit their lives to you for the first time in their own words right there at their, at their seat, I pray that you just give them vision of what they need to do, what their rallying cry is gonna be for the next six months. God, what the next step is that they're gonna take. Strengthen them in Jesus' name. God, I pray for every family in this room that is just kind of feels lost, kind of wondering, kind of like they're going from one thing to the next. God, I pray that you give them focus and direction. I pray that you put a vision in their heart for, for what you want them to do. Pray that you give them a rallying cry that fires them up and gives them so much passion that they run at it for the next two to six months with everything they, that they have and then they start another one. And that after a few years go by, God, that we see such amazing change because we were intentional about the growth that we want to see in our family. God, that we get so much further down the road than we ever thought possible because we put you first in the short term. Because we connected what was eternal with what's temporary. Help us, Lord Jesus, to win at home and to win in our families in Jesus' name.